Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I know we got nine games to cover, but let me talk to you guys for a minute about something I like to call the great settling. No, it has nothing to do with a a people finding a home and colonizing it. It's actually a phenomenon that we watch every single year and speak of largely in vague terms, but can to some degree be quantified. The Great Settling, as I've decided we're going to call it, whether you guys like it or not, is a theory that postulates that pretty much every basketball player in the NBA is going to start to look like themselves by around game 20. And I want us to remember this moment and this number because next year it's going to happen again. And people are going to freak out When someone isn't playing like themselves after 6 games, 11 games, 13 games, 15 games. And that window is what creates the buy lows and the sell high as we talk about early in the season. Are there guys that go quicker and are there guys that go longer? Absolutely. But what we've seen here, and I would say even... More specifically, over the last week, is that some guys that had not really looked like themselves are starting to look like themselves again. The exception, Jason Tatum still can't shoot. He's 21 games into his season, can't make a bucket to save his life. Bradley Beal still can't really seem to get himself on track. I can't fully explain it. His head's just in a different place offensively. I don't know if it's because the Wizards are now losing, which, look, I mean, we all knew this was coming. He's facilitating, that's nice, but the steals, the blocks are not where they need to be. The threes are not where they need to be. The scoring in general simply isn't close to where it needs to be because he's not getting to the free throw line. Which, by the way, you can try to blame that on rule changes, but the other guards are starting to get to the foul line. Free throws are beginning to level off a little bit. But these are the exceptions. The examples of those that have landed themselves firmly, squarely, in a comfortable part of the great settling. James Harden, slow start. He's settled. He's a first-rounder again. Freddie Van Fleet took him about a week and a half. He was a quick one. He was like six, seven games, and then he had it going. Now he's number 13. Rudy Gobert, if you remember that, actually got off to kind of a slow start. He was like number 45 or 50, and then he moved up into the the 12 range, which is a bit high, and now he's settled back towards 20, where he generally ends up. Donovan Mitchell got off to a really quick start. He was number, what, 12 after the first two weeks? He's now settled back into the mid-20s, and actually, has it gone a little bit back of that? No, he's he's mid-20s. Largely because his steals are still at 1.7. The list, by the way, goes on and on and on. Zach Levine started out at like number 14 or 15. He's number 30. He's 32 now, I believe. Damian Lillard. He's still number 33, 
But again, sometimes it's more important to look at, you know, the last two to three weeks or because if, if you're looking at the overall numbers of someone who got off to a really slow start, then whatever they're doing recently isn't fully going to wipe out what happened before that. Like if you looked at Damian Lillard, maybe it'd be more instructive to look at the last month. He's number 23 over that stretch. If you want to say a date range and two weeks isn't quite long enough for you, but a month maybe feels too long, you could input something like uh, three weeks, I guess, would be somewhere in the middle of that. I know. It's very extremely thoughtful stuff. Uh, so like November, three weeks would be this, the 8th, 9th. I'm tracking my days here. We'll go to the 8th. That'll be a Monday. Game number 8 since November 8th. The Great Settling. Sometimes looking only at the last three weeks actually doesn't tell the full story. Like Terry Rozier is number 13 over the last three weeks, but he's been playing over his head over that stretch, and that is wiping out the slow start, and he's now come to a midpoint. Clint Capella has been a first-rounder over the last two weeks, but that's offsetting the top 85, top 100 start he got to over the first two weeks. And so now he's moving back towards his regular number. Are you guys seeing all the, all these things happening the way, like, there are, how many examples have I already given of that? Wait, I'm going to go back. I want to count them as we're going through it. James Harden in the first round, part of this great settling process. Freddie Van Fleet, that's two. Uh, Gobert, three. Donovan Mitchell, four. Wait, did I put out a finger that I didn't count? Um, Zach Levine, five. Damian Lillard, six. Clint Capella, seven. Joel Embiid, big ball game. Is he on his way back to where he belongs? He would be number eight. Vooch finally had his big game. Is he number nine? Terry Rozier, number 10. Harrison Barnes, it works the other way around. He's settling back towards where he belongs. 11. Mikhail Bridges. 12. Montrez Harrell going down the board. 13. DeAndre Ayton's been on his way up the board. 14. D'Lo back near 70 now. 15. Marcus Smart. 16. You guys get the idea. There are just a couple of guys by the Drew Holiday. 17. Derek White. 18. But then it's also important to look at some of the guys who are either not settling and then find out, I shouldn't say either, some of the guys who are not settling and try to figure out if it's that we just need like two or three more games or if this is a new version of that person. Bradley Beal, is this a new version of him? Where his blocks are down, his steals are down, assists are actually fine, his scoring is down, his field goal percent is down, his turnovers are very high, his free throws are down. Is this the new Bradley Beal? Jason Tatum. Is this the new Jason Tatum? Now with Beal, again, this is, this is I want you guys to sort of be a part of this process. How do we break this down? How do we analyze this in a way that actually makes sense? Those two guys are four slots away from one another. Tatum's 49, Beal is 53. As of speaking to you 
at this exact moment in nine category per game. They're right there, neck and neck. But it's worth noting that with Beal, his team has totally changed the way they play. With Tatum, they haven't really. He's just missing. His rebounds are good. His assists are fine. He's around a steal and a block. It's fine. I mean, I'm sure we'd like a little bit more, but he's around three three three-pointers. He just can't shoot. I mean, Jason Tatum, that one is smacking you right in the face. If he made his shots, he'd be fine. With Bradley Beal, it's not that obvious that if he just started making his shots, everything would become magically better. He's down three field goal attempts against each of the last two seasons. He's much closer to 2018-2019 Bradley Beal, and even with then, he's still well below his... Uh, field goal percent marker. He was up near 47.5, 48 that season. He's shooting 28% from three-point land, which is the worst of his career, including his rookie season, which, by the way, he came in and immediately shot 39% from downtown. So he's just not shooting well. His turnovers are the highest they've ever been. His steals are the lowest since 2016. His blocks are even with the last couple of years, but down from the year before that. And even if those stay the same, The turnovers, big issue. The shooting, big issue. If the field goal percent adjusts, if the turnovers come down, that still only moves Beal to a second-round valuation. What about Jason Tatum, who I just said was probably an easier test case in all of this stuff? Well, he's way down, even though his usage is actually up. His free throw percent, down. 87% last year, 80% this year, while he's taking basically the same number. Assists down a little bit, but close. Rebounds up a little bit, still relatively close. Blocks are fine around his career mark. Steals are a little low. like to see those 36 and a half minutes a game. He should be uh, more like 1.2 or 1.3. All of that stuff, let's say that does, in fact, level off. All the, all the little simple things. But... The 4 5% at the free throw line is a big deal. The fact that he's only shooting 31.5% from downtown is a big deal. And yeah, he's taking a lot of threes this year, but it's not something that should grossly change his overall shooting from 46, 45, 46 range under 40. If you adjust his numbers back up where they should be, with the extra shot he's taking this year, Tatum should be scoring over 27 points a game. So add three points per game, add six percentage points from the field, add probably a third to uh, even a half of a three-pointer in there based on some of the percentages leveling off, add another like half a free throw almost, and now you're starting to get somewhere. Now you're talking about a guy who, again, is scoring more like 27 to 28 points a game on better percentages. He jumps from where he is because his, you know, the turnovers don't have to change. He moves faster. That's the point there. So it's all about figuring out why things are where they are. Bam Adebayo has been rough this year. Is that his knee? But his blocks are at .3 per ball game. That, I have to believe, is not a sustainably low number. So he'll come back. And he's dropped into the 80s last we checked. Because his free throw percent fell off a cliff with that weird game where he went like 2 for 11. The whole thing just exploded in his face. Who are these guys that haven't 
leveled off yet. The three, two, three, four guys as opposed to the 20 some odd that have. It's worth noting that by this time of year, the quarter point, 20 games in, I'd say roughly, in general, 80 to 90% of the settling, the great settling, has already occurred. Your buy lows and your sell highs, they are very rare at this point. And if you're doing one, you better be damn sure that someone is about to correct what's going wrong. And among those guys that haven't really settled yet, Jason Tatum is the one that I think you can probably trust the most. A lot of the other guys are on their way up or down to where they belong. Let's rip-roar our way through a nine-game Monday after I say hi. Hello, everybody. I'm Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Yes, got it right on the first try today. Way to go, Dan. Sportsethos.com. We don't have any hyphens in our name anymore. That's a nice thing to, ha- to be able to get rid of. Phew. Hyphen-free since 2021. Sportsethos.com. Fantasy NBA Today. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespers. A number of you have over the last uh, week or so, which I didn't expect there to be like a weird six-month surge of people looking for fantasy stuff, but that's cool. If you don't use Twitter to get your fantasy basketball information, you are falling behind. It's a devastating rabbit hole of evil. But if you use it just right, set your alerts for Woj and the Sports Ethos uh fantasy feed which is ethos fantasy bk and then just get out of the way oh and follow me too of course at dan vespers on twitter uh thank you to everybody that continues to check out our uh affiliates our partners over at mybookie.ag hope you guys got down on the monday night football cyber monday promo that again if you have not yet signed up for an account you can use promo code hoopball at sign up they haven't changed that for us yet h-o-o-p-b-a-l-l lets them know who's coming And then we'll take their money the next time they roll out some odds boost stuff. And over at manscaped.com, use promo code HOOPBALL20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your goodies. They sent me a whole box of sweet stuff, various uh, shaving creams and powders and lotions and the weed whacker. That's the ear and nose hair trimmer. So if you're like, Dan, your nose looks strikingly sleek like a dolphin because of the weed whacker, uh, the lawnmower, that's their signature. That's the flagship item over at manscaped.com. That's their traditional sideburn trimmer. Pinch-free LED technology, uh, waterproof. I know you guys have seen their, their uh, video commercial where a scantily clad female emerges from a pool holding, holding the lawnmower, which I think was post- mostly just their way of saying, look, this thing runs underwater. I didn't... It, suggestive everything they do is suggestive over there but they've been a really cool partner for us and they make a good uh, a really nice product manscaped.com the website promo code once again is hoopball20 philly beat orlando 101 96 mo bamba's back baby jalen suggs however sprained his thumb and is expected to miss over a month with the injury so now they really need cole anthony back in the short term and we don't know when cole's coming back rj hampton is probably gonna have to do some orchestrating this is very good for the likes of gary harris and franz wagner who also left with a twisted ankle although i'm sure they're his seemed to be less significant an injury than that of jalen suggs i i I would worry 
certainly about diving in on Orlando replacement guys. I think the one you trust in points leagues is definitely RJ Hampton. I don't know that you go face first into much else besides maybe bumping Wagner up from streamer level where we had plopped him. He might now be a cut above that once again with these extra injuries around him. Mo Bamba, 11, 17, and six blocks. I guess the back was slowing him down a little bit. Meanwhile, over on the Philly side, Joel Embiid, a much more pedestrian line after his monster game. Uh, was that Sunday? Was that the big one, or was that on Saturday? Ah, it doesn't matter. I can't remember. It's very Bob Euchre. Today's postgame show is brought to you by... I can't find it. The hell with it. Uh, Danny Green, Matisse Thibel. That was something we mentioned to watch if those guys were going to be largely splitting minutes or if they could find a way to get them both out there. And in this one, kind of split them. Screwed up both guys. Hang tight on Thibel. We know that if he gets 20 minutes or more, he's going to get you two to four defensive stats. Obviously, the, the days of him just running rampant with no Harris, no Embiid, no Green, everybody out. Those days are done. But he has a built-in value proposition that very few players have. So hang tight there. Curry, Maxi, Tobias, Joel Embiid, those guys are obvious goes right now. And then Danny Green is kind of a watch list guy, at least for the moment. Denver got Nikola Jokic back last night, and they looked better. He had 24, 15, and 7. Big, I mean, that's a pretty big difference maker on a real aura fantasy team. Will Barton, 14, 5, and 4. Just better shots for everyone on the team. That's what he does when he's out on there. Aaron Gordon got better looks. He actually had a relatively efficient ball game, and he's been okay, but you couldn't pay me enough to trust Aaron Gordon this year. And uh, no, I'm not going to bother with Jeff Green. Monte Morris was fine, but unspectacular, which is kind of his MO. Uh, but again, he's not going to take shots unless he's absolutely positively forced to. And uh, now with Jokic back, he's sort of not going to be forced to. So give me Jokic, give me Barton. That's about it. I streamed Facundo Campazzo in a league. And he's been decent lately as kind of a steals, assists, threes kind of guy. Meh. For the Heat, Kyle Lowry had to step it up. No Jimmy Butler. He hurt his tailbone. I was just going to say he hurt his butt in their last ball ballgame. Uh, he'll be back soon. We know the Jimmy Butler stuff. He'll take a game or two off for these types of things to try to stay right. Adebayo, 24-13, six assists again, but he missed some free throws. He had some turnovers. No defensive stats. I cannot figure this one out. Because the other stuff is starting to look better again. Good scoring numbers, good aggression, nice rebounding, good assist numbers. All that stuff has leveled off, but the defensive stats haven't. And that tells me he's not playing on two good wheels right now. Do I stream Max Struess? Struss? It might be Struss. Nine, uh, is what I get for not watching the Heat game live. Uh, I do not. Do I stream Caleb Martin when Butler's out? I consider it. Roto Games cap, I do not. Head-to-head, I think you could make a case for it. But I don't think I would use a move on it, because Butler could be back by Wednesday. He'd be back by tomorrow. No Tyler Hero either. So things were really opened up on that Miami side. And a lot of guys stepped through the door, but not one of them was like, hey, I'm the guy, other than Lowry and Bam, which, I mean, we kind of knew those going in. So Indy ran ran out a a sort of weirdo lineup, in this uh, late-game loss, Minnesota with a nice comeback win, uh, fueled by the usual. Cat had 32 and kind of an inefficient strange ball game, turned it over nine times. D'Lo, another good one. Anthony Edwards, another good one. Uh, those two guys didn't shoot the ball all that well, but you know they piled up fantasy numbers. 
I thought the interesting thing in this ballgame was that with Miles Turner out, Indy went real small and started TJ McConnell. And on paper, I love the idea because TJ, the starter, is going to play more minutes than TJ, the run, run, run off the bench guy. And he did get two steals in this game, which is a bit more like what we'd want from him. But the problem, of course, is now he's on the floor with three other guys who are ahead of him in the ball distribution pecking order. Demonis Sabonis, who led the team with 10 assists. Malcolm Brogdon, who leads the team, leads the team in assists most ball games, And Karis LeVert, who struggled shooting the basketball, but is also going to handle it. The only guy in that starting unit that's going to be that's going to pass to TJ McConnell, or I should flip that around. The only guy in that that's going to be receiving the pass from TJ and then immediately firing himself is Justin Holiday, who, by the way, had a pretty good ball game and he got one steal. We've been talking about why his steals have gone this year. In the year of the steal, everybody has them. Justin Holiday and Bam Adebayo have lost their defensive stats. It's weird. Holiday is a a head-to-head, you know, good schedule streamer kind of guy. He's in that bucket right now. McConnell's a weird one. I don't know if Indy saw something they liked or if they felt like the matchup was going to be a good one, but the Wolves are not small. Anthony Edwards is a shooting guard, so that meant Malcolm Brogdon generally had to deal with him, or they mismatch him. Justin Holiday takes him. Brogdon deals with a much larger Josh Okogi. But either way, TJ McConnell now is stuck on D'Lo, who only had one turnover. So whatever he was doing, it wasn't working very well. Here's the thing. The good news is that what we're seeing right now is if any of Indy's starters are out, TJ McConnell's getting a crack at minutes. Cool. That's good. I mean, he didn't put up big numbers in this ballgame, but 34 minutes... That'll get the job done. Bad news is, he's not a primary ball handler unless Brogdon or Lavert is one of those guys that goes down, and they weren't for this particular game. So this actually gave me a reason to kind of maybe move McConnell back up. He's like a 4A kind of ball player, baseball reference. The guys that are, in, that are too good for AAA but not good enough for the bigs, that's not to say McConnell should be in the G League or something like that. Fantasy-wise, he's a 4A player, meaning he's right in that crest between streamers where you just plop them in you plop them out easy enough you drop them when they're no longer on a back-to-back or a three and four or whatever the hell they kind of schedule you got but he's not quite good enough to just hang on to and start even when he doesn't have a really good week of games but because of this information this brings him into he's like in he's in his own department right now there are very few players in the nba that are one player any player on a team away from having sustained fantasy value. Most of the time, it's like, okay, well, if a guard goes down, then this guy might have a shot. But with McConnell, we're seeing, if anybody goes down, he gets a shot. Pretty, pretty, pretty weird. Houston wins again. The Christian Wood at center experiment has been a rousing success. They're a much more interesting basketball team to watch. Now, admittedly, offensively, they weren't very good in this ballgame. Christian Wood, Jay Sean Tate, and Garrison Matthews were solid, and the rest of the team was dog duty on offense. But they got it done because OKC is worse on offense. Ugh. This was grossness all the way around, but it was good news on the Houston side. Kevin Porter Jr. triple-doubled, 
as only KPJ could turn a triple-double into this, but he did get three steals. So the bad free throws, the bad field goal, and the turnovers, you can kind of close your eyes. You can squint real hard and maybe not quite see them. I still think he's a great sell-high right now. A lot of Rockets are actually a sell-high right now because they're on a little winning streak and guys are putting up fantasy stats. Um, I mentioned Matthews on Friday's show, I believe, as a potential streamer while Jalen Green is out. I stand by that assessment. I also like Jay Sean Tate again at power forward. He's a much more interesting player there because his rebounds are going to be better. He still hasn't really gotten the steals going, but it brings him closer to the bucket. Field goal percent was one of his strong suits last year. Uh, It's not locked in, far from locked in on the Jay Sean Tate thing, but this move that everybody shifting up a spot on the roster has brought him back towards the edge of the top 100. It's always going to look prettier than it is with Tate because he's awful at the free throw line and doesn't hit the three ball. So if the steals aren't there, he's not, he doesn't get into the top 100. If the steals come back, everything's golden. But that's why a guy like Garrison Matthews is an easier sell because he does have the three ball, because he does do the scoring. The rebounds were lower than you'd expect here, but he doesn't need the missing things that Tate needs to get over that hump because he's not hurting you in certain places. And when I say not hurting you, I mean, like, if you get one assist or two rebounds, which is what Matthews had, they're not good, but they still help. They just help less than someone getting three assists or five rebounds, as opposed to, like, Tate goes out there, and he made his free throw yesterday, so I don't mean to pick on him in particular, uh, but, like, DeAndre Bembry, who took, what, two free throws and just missed them both... That hurts you. You need someone else on your team to go make an extra, like, five or six in a row to cover for that. Easier said than done. What do we do with this team? Well, Eric Gordon, no. He's still a no. Matthews, stream him. Shangun is in a little bit of trouble now. I mean, he had a better ball game two games back, I think. Four, four, and three here. He's just not going to see the same opportunity or time now playing behind Christian Wood. So he becomes a very difficult guy to squad on all season. And then, you know, if you have dead weight, I could throw Jay Sean Tate at the end of your bench. I wouldn't start him in a games cap format. But if this thing sticks and he becomes like a number 95 kind of guy, then that ends up being pretty useful in 12-teamers. That's okay. Chicago beats Charlotte. I mean, the Hornets are completely useless on defense without Mason Plumlee somehow. But it's great for fantasy because Rozier went nuts again. LaMelo Ball, another big game. Kelly Oubre, another big game. P.G. Washington, decent, not huge. Gordon Hayward, same. Really, it was only Miles Bridges. Everybody else was just chucking shots away. And he was like, what about me, guys? And they said, ah, you're fine. You've had plenty. So he was only okay. By the way, probably could have included him in our story of the great settling as he's now fallen into the third round. Not bad. I mean, still certainly not bad. But after the start where he was like, what was he, number six, number seven for about two and a half, three weeks? Yeah, there's been a tapering of sorts. And it'll just slowly work back into place. I think the only question I would ask is uh, surrounding Kelly Oubre, who's still number 125 overall on the year. But, you know, an injury here, an injury there does seem to open things up for him a little bit. He seems considerably happier with Charlotte than he was with the Warriors. And over the last two weeks, he's inside the top 75. 
I don't find it sustainable. The rebounds, the assists have all been very low for Ubre. So if the scoring goes away, if he's not going to get 17 shots most ball games, then what is he hanging his hat on, really? Because the seals and blocks have only been okay outside of this game and like one other one anyway, too. I'd rather have P.J. Washington between the two guys coming off the bench, although I also realize, yes, Plumlee will be back. And then, you know, Nick Richards started and played seven minutes. Plumlee's not playing seven minutes when he gets the start. Story of the night, however. Buried the lead. Probably should have just started with this game. Nikola Vucevic. 30, 14, 5, 6, 3s, 2 blocks. Hello, old friend. Vooch, the by low window. Whammo. Gone. One game is all it takes and we saw it here. Absolute behemoth of a night. Moved himself up the board. I think he moved up 14 slots in one game this far into the season. That's a big, big deal. He's up to number 43. Is he going to be this good every game? No, but is he going to be this good probably for a few games? It's a possibility. He was this bad for more than that. The great settling. His 15th game of the year. Vooch got it going. Damar, Lonzo, Zach Levine, those guys are all fine. Alex Caruso has also been pretty good. Javante Green played 36 minutes, but you wouldn't know it by the box score. Uh, But really a refreshing sight. If you've been sitting on Vooch this whole time, finally, if you bought low, well done. Things are probably going to keep getting better. This man is an all-star level basketball player. You knew 40% shooting or wherever the hell he was at. That was not going to stick. Meanwhile, no one's been talking about it in the big time media because they got they are they're like I always think of the talking heads with the NBA like the uh, Canadian South Park characters, how they're animated where like the top of the head is detached from the bottom of the head because they don't talk about the things that are actually important until they've already happened. The Wizards are now thirteen and eight. They're five and five in their last ten. They're still in fourth place in the East, and that's what everybody's going to talk about. But they've really fallen off the last two weeks or so. Uh, And you're seeing some of the shortcomings exposed on this team, where offensively they really weren't very good. They were beating teams with sheer effort. And when you run out of gas a tiny bit, which all teams do during a long season, you have to find some other way to squeeze your way through, and they haven't found it yet. I think that way is going to have to be Bradley Beal being better. We already talked about Beal enough on today's podcast, um, but suffice it to say, they're not going very far now that the luster of their energy games has worn off. They need to actually have someone who can score. Well, in any event, uh, Spurs got a much-needed win. That's a team that's uh, trying, trying to get off their own little thing. And Derek White, perhaps his great settling has begun. He's now number 74 on a per-game basis and still shooting just 39.5%. And we can do, I think, I don't want to call it super quick math on this, but you know we knew Derek White was in that 115 range for a while, so it's pretty easy to see that over the last two weeks, he's number 32. This is what we've been so excited about. Scoring, threes, boards, assists, steals, blocks, free throws. Hopefully the field goal stuff comes around as well, because then you're talking about a world beater. I, I do love the Derek White thing, and hopefully folks bought low because it was not a hard one to do. It's one I wanted to try to draft. I thought it would go later. That one surprised me a little bit. Cleveland blew out Dallas. This was kind of 
I mean, this is real surprising, but Cleveland just couldn't miss. They shot 56%. Larry Markinen, 24-8. Jared Allen, 28-14. Kevin Love even had 10-5. Darius Garland, 18-9. Evan Mobley slowed down a little bit in this ballgame. but still pretty good. Ricky Rubio, 7-7-6 seven, seven, while not shooting the ball well. Somehow, he's the only one, basically. Cavs are kind of fun. Cavs are kind of fun. I'm really glad that we had Larry Markinen somewhat high. I think I talked about him. Was he the guy I gave on when, when I did the uh, the mock with Josh Lloyd? Was that? I think I might have gone Markinen on that one. Uh, he's number 41, guys, on the year. Remember when he was at like 85 and I said he was actually still a buy low? Yeah, because now his field goal percent is up over 40 and everything else is held. Beautiful thing. Kristaps Porzingis turned an ankle late. They were getting beaten to hell, so no sense in in rushing him back into the ballgame. He was briefly listed as questionable to return, and then they ruled him out because, you know, what was the point, really? Um, He had 9-5 and with four blocks before getting hurt in this ballgame, so he'll likely hang in there towards the back end of the first round because the blocks will float the fact that the other stuff wasn't as good. And now we'll just have to hope that he doesn't miss more than, you know, two or three ball games. The fact that he was initially listed as questionable leads me to believe that if this was a tighter ball game, they might have tried to push him back into it. It wasn't, so they didn't. Also of note, Jalen Brunson did not look good in his return. That's upsetting, but I'm not going to read too much into it. And if you want, you can bench him until he gets his legs back underneath him. And then Maxi Kleba got 25 minutes. I do wonder... Would he have picked up another couple in this game if it was closer? He's been teetering right on the edge of fantasy usefulness because of the threes, the blocks, the decent percentages, all that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say you got to go out and add him because the upside is not colossal, but he's a nice nine-cat roto guy. So if you have a spot, you can plop him right at the end of your bench, but he's not a he's not a must-add, race-out-and-go-get kind of thing. Onward we go. Utah beat the daylights out of Portland. Norman Powell missed this ballgame with the quad contusion. Donovan Mitchell bounced back. We were talking about him a little bit earlier in the show, and Utah just got whatever they wanted right from the opening jump. Which, by the way, jump ball is kind of dumb, isn't it? Or there should be, the NBA needs to install a little uh, cannon right beneath center court that shoots basketballs straight up to an exact height, or maybe even a random height, but it's got to be straight. I, I don't, I mean, I've watched so many basketball games, I don't think I've seen one perfect jump ball. That's a really weird human error thing that it is in every ball game, and everybody's just like, ah, whatever. Anyway, Jordan Clarkson had a better ball game, but who cares? Joe Ingles had a better ball game, but who cares? This is really about just getting Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell back on track on the Utah side. And then for Portland, Nurk played well, offensively at least. Dame, no. CJ, meh. Anthony Simons got hot in a blowout loss. That's good for my 30-deep team, but uh, I don't know how many folks were actually going hard on Simons with no Norman Powell. There was this big question mark. Tony Snell got the start, so was it going to be Nasir Little or was it going to be Simons that did the damage off the bench? And it turned out to be Simons. Rob Covington had a clunker. Larry Nance had a clunker. Portland Twitter 
is begging the team to just blow it up after a uh, after this particular loss. And I mean, this is, a, this is an ugly ball game where they just couldn't stop anyone, like legitimately could not stop anything that Utah was running in this game. Uh, although at the same time, it's worth pointing out the Blazers nine and one at home, one and nine on the road. They're a road fade in every respect right now. That's a little crazy. The Hawks were like that, but they seem to have gotten things a little more squared away. The uh, Pelicans were in Los Angeles dealing with the Clippers, and as far as New Orleans goes, not a ton of surprises, really. Herb Jones got the start uh, and put together a a reasonable ball game. They're trying to get him some more activity. I think they like what he's bringing to the table right now. From a fantasy standpoint, I you know it's not clear that there's enough usage for him to get over that hump right now. It's JV, who had a huge ball game. Brandon Ingram, obviously. Josh Hart has sort of carved out his role with the team. Not that Hart's usage is a ton higher than uh, Jones, but he does do sort of some de facto point guard work, and it's rendered Devontae Graham a little bit more, I don't know, meh. I would say the big storyline from this ballgame, in addition to probably putting Herb Jones on a watch list, is that Nikhil Alexander-Walker has uh, fallen off the face of the earth. And we kind of saw this one coming. I mean, right from the beginning of the year when everybody was out, there was enough usage for him to float his value and, and kind of hang out in that like 85 to 100 range. But as soon as anybody started to take some of his volume away, the, the 100 marker was going to drop far away from view. Far, far away. A uh, little note on the, the Clipper side. Marcus Morris sat this one out with the uh, knee rest. It's not soreness. Which is funny because like four days ago they asked him if he was going to miss any more time with the knee and he said no, but apparently they meant outside of scheduled rest days. Uh, Serge Ibaka ended up picking up a bunch of the slack with no Marcus Morris around. And he was actually pretty good, but I mean, I think we can dial the Ibaka stuff right back to the same explanation we just had on Ibiza Zubac, which is that there's just too many bodies around and even in this one where Serge was decent he played 26 minutes again 13 6 and 1 three threes the problem of course is that when Marcus Morris comes back when Nick Batum comes back even who again admittedly he'll probably take all those minutes from Amir Coffee. Morris will take a bunch of minutes there I don't know if Coffee's even really going to get to play more than a handful uh how does that balance out because Batum's going to see power forward minutes Quite a lot of them, I would reckon. Um, Marcus Morris is going to see power forward minutes. Zubats is going to play mostly center. Hartenstein's going to play mostly center. I do think they still want to use him as the backup there, but maybe they mix and match a little bit. It's not great news for any of them, but Toom feels the most likely to succeed because he can do more things than the other guys can. The only thing he can't really do is protect the rim, but again, we're seeing with Zubats and Hartenstein, they don't necessarily run a rim protector out there for 48 minutes so no i'm not picking up Serge Ibaka. not after one decent ball game without marcus morris and without nick batum if he can put a few of them together maybe and then with batum we know you know it took him a long time to heal last year i think he he missed time with covid protocols last season i might be misremembering that maybe that was just an exposure and not the real deal uh, we don't know how long it's going to take him to get back to, to normal strength anyway. So there's a lot 
kind of bouncing around in that Clippers front court. I think best to mostly leave it alone. I'm going to keep Batum in my IL where I can and uh, kind of play it from there. Um, Josh Hart on back on the other side kind of it occurred to me as I was going through it, he, he really put up a Draymond Green line. So Draymond, Josh Hart, back at work. How about the Pels all of a sudden? Five and five, their last 10 ball games. They've come on a little bit. Rockets have come on a little bit. This is called the dog days. Good teams start to lose a couple. Bad teams win a couple. Everything, the great, the great evening. Some enchanted evening, even. Um, I don't remember. Did I even do, I don't even remember if I did promo on today's podcast. I guess it doesn't really matter. Hey, if you guys have a minute, please do drop a five-star review on the pod and uh, hit me up. The recruiting process continues out here. Simple, straightforward. Hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris. Please do. If you don't have a Twitter account, go get one. I can even tell you the, you know, 15, 20 things you need to follow to help you with your fantasy stuff. Set it up. Don't get sucked into the, the nasty uh, deep, dark areas of it. Use TweetDeck so you don't get a bunch of annoying uh, what everybody else is doing kind of tweets or promoted tweets. You got to use TweetDeck. That'll keep all that crap out of your timeline. And then you can just use it for fantasy sports, which is effectively what I'm doing with it. And that's how we, we stay ahead of the curve. By the way, um, breaking news the uh, this morning is that Dame is expected to get a rest day. Damian Lillard getting a rest day. He'd been playing very well. We're going to just go ahead and say okay to something like this uh, and assume that it's not a whole lot else. Also, Cole Anthony apparently expected to play tomorrow, not on the Magic Injury Report. That would be a really nice thing for them. Mitchell Robinson apparently has a cold, a non-COVID illness, and is questionable. More to come on the social media. We'll kind of take the podcast over there from here. This, once again, is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation I am Dan Bespris for all of our good buddies here at Sports Ethos, working on getting my names right, getting my site names right. Check them out, by the way, sportsethos.com. Come visit us in our premium Discord, too. Get a fantasy pass and come hang out with us. All right. I guess we can put a pin in this one. You know how it rolls. Uh, tomorrow, I believe, we will have our first mailbag with the great Adam King in a couple of weeks. Holidays and other uh, situations kind of getting in the way. So that'll be fun. Uh, look for the mailbag tweet later on tonight. And uh, if you reply to that with good questions, that's how uh, your your good ones will end up on the podcast. All right, for real this time, have a great day. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. See you along.